Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Both the Treasure State's favorite football teams are into the Elite Eight. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Friday night in Missoula, the Montana faithful at Washington Grizzly Stadium were outside their minds as an instant classic played out between two Big Sky Conference rivals. Brash and confident Eastern Washington came into the hostile venue and landed the first of a flurry of haymakers thrown by both sides, scoring on a pair of 58-yard touchdowns in the game's first 17 minutes to take a 21-10 lead. But a string of vicious hits by the Grizzly defense helped swing the momentum. Ryan Tyrrell's blocked part helped the hosts carry it in a fully dominant third quarter helped Montana explode to a 57-41 victory in front of a playoff record crowd. The win helps Montana advance to the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs for the second year in a row. It also avenges a 34-28 loss to Eastern Washington in Cheney and sends Montana to Harrisonburg, Virginia to take on James Madison. Sammy Akem caught two touchdowns, giving him 29 for his career, tied for the most in Grizz history with former NFL standout Mark Mariani and Eastern Washington record-setting quarterback Eric Berrier threw for 530 yards and five touchdowns in the loss. In Bozeman, Montana State freshman Tommy Malott made his first start at quarterback and helped MSU overcome insane wins to lead the hosts to a 26-7 win over Tennessee Martin. Malott rushed for 180 yards and MSU had 387 on the ground. Montana State advances to play Sam Houston in the quarterfinals next weekend. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. And It's rare 
that a cover is ever better than the original. And I love me some Van Morrison, but gosh dang, I love me some John Cougar Mellencan. Welcome back. A little Tuesday action for you on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour? Broke it all down when it comes to the opponents for both Montana and Montana State in the FCS playoffs upcoming with our good friend Ty Gregorak, longtime college football coach and now, dare I say, a burgeoning analyst. He's been a great contributor weekly on the Big Sky Breakdown, and we also got you through some hoops as well. Big Sky Conference hoops opened last week for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. 2-0 starts for both the women's teams in the state, and a 2-0 start for Northern Colorado, which is a good one when you sweep the Montana schools on the men's side. So we're off and running with Big Sky Conference play, except for we're not. We're paused now for the next three weeks, and then we'll be back into it. So very anomalous and weird scheduling, but I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get used to it. You can find everything from the first hour of the show on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sports Bet Montana. Joining me now in studio, second week in a row. How lucky am I? Justin Angle, a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. This is the overlay between business and sports. And Justin, last week we talked so extensively about FCS playoffs and FCS playoff revenue that we got cut short. Uh, so you had some good stuff in our uh, Google Doc. I was actually thinking we should like make this into some sort of uh, paper or something later on, or maybe just print it out for somebody to yeah, see. Business angle, you're always trying to monetize <laughs> content, right? That's exactly right, but it is fascinating. I was going through some of our old notes. We've had some good conversations, and uh, you can definitely tell you are a professor because you have this stuff all lined out for me every week, and I love it. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about the Olympics because – there's multi-dimensions to what's going on right now. Anticipated that Beijing will host the upcoming Winter Olympics. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of reasons why it's going to happen. Also, a lot of reasons why it might not or that certain countries might not. So let's just start at the beginning. Peng Shui, am I saying this correctly? Yeah, Peng Shui. Peng Shui. Yeah. She's a tennis player, mm-hmm. Chinese tennis player. Is mm-hmm. that correct? That's right. And she disappeared. Is that correct? Uh, Well, she made an accusation over social media, Chinese social media platform, that a top official in the Chinese government had sexually assaulted her. Right. Right. And then she disappeared for a period of time. The social media post was taken down. And then she sort of resurfaced through this kind of murky uh, release by the IOC where the head of the IOC uh, interviewed her over Zoom, but they didn't release the interview. They just released a photograph of him interviewing her and her on the screen. Um, And she hasn't really been seen robustly in a public setting since then. And... The WTA is 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 saying we're not holding tournaments in China until we're, we're confident that she's okay. Um, she's withdrawn the accusation, but it feels like it might have been a strong arm withdrawal of the accusation. Um, you know, prominent players on both sides, the, the WTA and the men's players, are coming out and saying that you know this needs to be resolved we need to we need to stand up for the rights of this player and make sure that uh you know if she was assaulted that due justice or you know due process is being served and so forth so yeah this is really complicated and then layer on top of that the olympics you know there this thing there's a lot of pressures here at the same time the olympics are a big deal and the fact that they're in china uh, is a big deal, and there's all these U.S.-China relations. Ten- yeah, we could break this down on so many dimensions, but I think your your question of whether the Olympics will actually happen and if they'll happen in Beijing, I think that's a real question. 
it is a real question, and I think that particularly with the Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. for most of my life, they've been in. How do you even say this? In in cold cities, cities with snow. In, 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 in cities with <laughs> snow. In mostly cities that are in countries with at least somewhat similar politics to the United States. And that's not really the case with China. I mean, there's a lot of gray area now. China is not a communist country by definition, but still has lingering. There's a lot of murk here. But I think that's one of the most confusing parts about the Olympics, too, though, is that um, obviously as we live in a democratic and capitalist-driven society here in America, we like to think that at least we're doing it in the right way. And... Oftentimes, these events are in countries that are different, and they have their own set of rules and ways of operating. And um, regardless of it's good or bad or whatever, it's just it's sort of confusing because it, it takes some sort of alignment for 250 plus countries to unite for a sporting event. Yeah, and in many ways, like that's the ethic of the Olympics, right? That countries right. and individuals and political parties can sort of set aside their differences right. and conflict and right. compete on the field and that is an ideal that i think should endure um however you know if if countries differ on how they should run policy at meaningful levels i mean the beef that the united states has or claims to have at at the moment to justify the the diplomatic boycott whatever the heck that means is this mistreatment or Genocide, however you want to classify it, it's hard, it's hard to get actual information about this, right. but about how the how the Uyghur people are being treated, um, and it's a hard one. Like if if you want to stand up for a human rights claim, you know, I I think one like the United States is certainly not innocent in terms of standing up for human rights over the course of our history. Absolutely. So, you know, if you live in a glass house, you shouldn't throw stones. So there's that. But there's also this interrelationship between the two countries. You know, when we're when we're dealing with conflict with the Soviet Union, and I'm not a, a political scientist nor an historian, but, you know, the Cold War, you had you know, capitalism, communism, and this nuclear proliferation on both sides. And there was kind of this mutually assured destruction from a military standpoint. I feel like the analogy with China is a mutually a mutually assured economic destruction. Right. Right. We have all this debt that China's buying. Yes. Right. So they're funding a lot of our, our government spending in many ways. And then we have this trade arrangement where, where we have this voracious appetite for cheap goods and goods have been cheap for a long time. We're seeing some inflation now, but as far as like manufacturing of cheap goods, we've relied on China and other countries in that region Certainly. to supply our demand for cheap consumer goods for so long. And, and China has benefited from that and all the investment and manufacturing and growth and the standards of living are there are increasing in general. So it's our, our countries are so intertwined financially. Right. But that our state of dependence on one another creates some real risk in this. It, it's, it creates stability, but there's also risk in the sense that, you know, one thing goes wrong. There could be like this cascade of effects and something as simple as conflict over this tennis player you know, could set things in motion in, in a way that we might not be able to control. During the 
uh, height of the pandemic, you and I talked extensively. Justin Angle, by the way, in studio here on Nuanas Now. You and I talked about a couple different por- portions of um, the economy that exploded in a sort of fascinating way. Being able to purchase and sell stocks mm-hmm. incrementally on your smartphone via apps like Robinhood. That was something new and a phenomenon that just went from zero to a million miles per hour just so fast. And then all of a sudden we had the common man leveraging these big companies and short sales and all these different things. The GameStop, the AMC. And then there was the phenomenon like Dogecoin and everybody's watching Saturday Night Live to see if Elon Musk is going to make us all millionaires and wild. But one of the industries that exploded was trading cards. Hmm. Why? Because China, (laughs) especially NBA cards, our great friends down at Zootown Sports Cards. And right now, by chance you're watching, I know you got it on in the shop all the time. You're getting free publicity right now. You're welcome. But we love you guys down there. But if you collected cards throughout your life, you know that a pack of cards usually costs three bucks, five bucks. You know, maybe the nicest ones out there, ten bucks. Basketball cards now are like 80, 100, 120. We opened some packs of cards on the show the other day. As part of our promotion, $300 a pack because people want these specialty memorabilia cards of these star basketball players. And guys like Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson, these guys are deified in China. And their cards are going for thousands and thousands of dollars. And it's mind-blowing to watch. But it shows you sort of the, the I don't know, I'm not even going to say harmonious, but the intertwined nature of, of our economic model at this point. Indeed. And the NBA, as much as they've sort of tried to wrap themselves in social justice here in the United States, and if any of their players speak out against China, they come down hard on those players. In fact, they sort of came down so hard. I can't remember the, the fellow's name. Oh, it was the coach of the or the GM of the Houston Rockets, right? Daryl Morey. Yeah, he, he spoke out of turn, and LeBron James, of all people, came down on him. And that's where it really gets murky because yeah. all of a sudden you have one guy that's speaking out, which for something that seems like very standard low-hanging fruit, like we don't like human rights violations and genocide, <laughs> doesn't seem that controversial. And then all of a sudden everybody's in this huge mess because of this marketing. And that's the thing is the NBA has been able to keep pace and even surpass the NFL and all other sports really besides maybe uh, premier soccer in, in Europe and in England because of the fervor for NBA basketball in China. Yeah, and and growth is really what's fueling all this. Our model is built on the need for growth, whether it's a publicly traded company or a large private company. They're built around growth. And if you're not, if you're, you know, at this point, like a lot of the markets are saturated domestically. So you got to gain share and grow viewership and engagement overseas. And China is this big market. And, you know, it sort of felt like for a long time, Yao Ming was going to be this like gateway into the into more and more Chinese players in the in the NBA. And there really are there any Chinese players currently? There is not. I, I mean, not considering believe. the percentage of the population and so forth, it's, it's sort of disappointing how few Chinese players are Certainly. represented in the NBA. Especially because it is such a global game. I mean, there it yeah. is no question the most international professional sport that's played in America mm-hmm. for sure. And if the NBA is going to penetrate. China meaningfully, it'd be great if there were some Chinese players to root for. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Justin Angle, Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications, in studio with us here on Nuanas Now. 
Well, let's talk about the, this, this, the, the marketing and branding portion of the Olympics because outside of the Super Bowl, this is probably the sporting event in which big-time global clients want to be involved in. Everybody has their feel-good Olympic yeah. ad. Some of these Olympic athletes are going to get huge endorsements if they perform at a high level, which, by the way, we're going to keep you updated with some of the Montanans that are involved in this. But congratulations to Darian Stevens of Missoula, Montana, mm-hmm. mogul skier who defeated one of her in-state rivals who also happens to be one of the other great uh, potential Olympians and Olympic hopefuls in Maggie Voison. So those two have been dueling forever. Maggie's gotten a couple Olympics. She's been on this show several times. Wonderful girl. Uh, but Darian now topples Maggie for the first time. Now Darian's going. So congratulations to her. But let's talk about the, just the branding part. I mean, how impactful is this? And, and are companies right now hesitant uh, when it comes to advertising in the Olympics? I, and I think they are. I mean, I think this Peng Shui um, situation puts a lot of pressure on these brands. The diplomatic boycott puts some pressure on these brands. And just the uncertainty of, of how the Olympics will go off uh, is, a, is, a, is a big problem for these brands. And then also, like, how they're going to be represented. You know, right. we have much less control in a country like China and much, inf- much less influence over the coverage and the access to the athletes and all this other, how the event is organized and run. I mean, certainly, like, the, the Summer Olympics were in Beijing in, what, 2008, was it? I can't, I can't remember. But, you know, so there are kind of, we, we do have a case history here. But, you know, with all that uncertainty, you've seen, and, you know, the, the Uyghur issue, bigger, bigger brands have decided maybe we're going to sit this one out. And, two, I think that given all the time zone change and how, like, Every time you do the Olympics, it's presented in a different way, whether it's streaming on 15 different apps or, you know, whether it's live or recorded the day before. I can't keep up. It with used it. to be so much better when because the time difference has always been a thing, but everybody didn't used to have Twitter and Facebook on their yeah, phone. Yeah. So, you know, what's happened. It's yeah. It used to be you just tune in in the evening and you get all the best of the Olympics. You had no clue what's happening. There's no spoiler alerts. Let's just watch the Olympics in the evenings. Here we are. It was great. Right. Yeah, your best bet probably as an advertiser is like trying to get your product in the hands of one of the athletes, right. whether it's Oakley goggles or Coca-Cola on the hands of the kid on the on the medals podium, if that's allowed. But things like that are probably the best return on investment for, for marketers. I know that it's hard to and basically impossible to uh, predict, but there are several members of the United States Congress that are calling for a boycott, and we've seen boycotts in the past. Um, it's been a long time, though. It's been since the Cold War days that this was ever really an issue, especially for the United States. So yeah. um, I, I guess the question is not necessarily do you think, because there's, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what we think, if what the U.S. should do or not. But if the United States did boycott the Olympics, what mm-hmm. what fallout does that have? Well, it certainly is... A missed opportunity for marketers. I would say, you know, and I don't know how these contracts are structured and if they're structured differently in this particular um, uh, in this particular Olympics. But if I were, you know, a chief marketing officer at one of these big brands, I'd be negotiating out clauses for these contracts. You know, can I get my money back? Can I, you know, can you can you take that inventory that you've promised me and deploy it elsewhere, whether it's NBC putting it on a basketball game or football coverage or whatever it is? You know, I'd be trying to hedge those bets that I'm making as best I can. You know, I, I think 
from uh, from a ripple effect standpoint, you know, yeah, if the Olympics are suddenly canceled, it's probably going to create more risky situations in future Olympics, and brands are going to want more assurances that the event that the and conditions before they invest, and so yeah, it could change the nature of how future uh, sponsorship deals are structured. ESPN Radio, it's Nuanas Now. It's the Business Angle with Justin Angle from University of Montana Business School. A little update for you. Usually Wednesday, excuse me, Tuesdays. Well, that's why we're confused now because it's usually on Wednesdays. We have our Grizz Star of the Week. But because it's a Friday game for the Grizz football team, we move it to Tuesday. But there's also a lot of moving parts when you got to go 2,500 miles across the country. So we will not be joined by a Grizz football player this week uh, live. We do have some sound from Patrick O'Connell as well as Mitch Roberts that we'll share later on this week. But Justin's a professor at the University of Montana, so he's going to be our Grizz Star of the Week. We'll do that next. We can continue to talk about the Olympics, but also the NBA and uh, some influx or fluctuation, rather, in its popularity in America. Keep it right here. Nuanas now. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Both the Treasure State's favorite football teams are into the Elite Eight. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Friday night in Missoula, the Montana faithful at Washington Grizzly Stadium were outside their minds as an instant classic played out between two Big Sky Conference rivals. Brash and confident Eastern Washington came into the hostile venue and landed the first of a flurry of haymakers thrown by both sides, scoring on a pair of 58-yard touchdowns in the game's first 17 minutes to take a 21-10 lead. But a string of vicious hits by the Grizzly defense helped swing the momentum. Ryan Tyrrell's blocked part helped the hosts carry it in a fully dominant third quarter helped Montana explode to a 57-41 victory in front of a playoff record crowd. The win helps Montana advance to the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs for the second year in a row. It also avenges a 34-28 loss to Eastern Washington in Cheney and sends Montana to Harrisonburg, Virginia to take on James Madison. Sammy Akem caught two touchdowns, giving him 29 for his career, tied for the most in Grizz history with former NFL standout Mark Mariani and Eastern Washington record-setting quarterback Eric Berrier threw for 530 yards and five touchdowns in the loss. In Bozeman, Montana State freshman Tommy Malott made his first start at quarterback and helped MSU overcome insane wins to lead the hosts to a 26-7 win over Tennessee Martin. Malott rushed for 180 yards, and MSU had 387 on the ground. Montana State advances to play Sam Houston in the quarterfinals next weekend. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
What's up, Montana? Welcome back. ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. A continuation of the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Our good friend Justin Angle joining us in studio. A little PSA for you. Usually we have our Grizz Star of the Week on Wednesdays. We've had it on Tuesday the last couple weeks because they've been Friday night games for the Grizz football team. No Grizz Star of the Week this week in terms of a live interview with a Grizz football player. But we do thank our great partners and friends down at Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. I know everybody was uh, wondering and worrying if we were ever going to have any snow to play in, but there's some snow out there now. So if you need to get geared up for winter, head on down to Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. They are a fixture in this community, and they'll get you all set up with whatever you might need to play outside in the snow. Justin, one thing that you and I have talked about, one thing that uh, I actually have a couple friends that uh, both have MBAs from the University of Montana Business School that are always keenly interested in our segment and what we talk about. Mm -hmm. The main subject, though, that seems to draw people in, the two ones that I always get feedback on are sports gambling, because it's such an omnipresent thing right now in the world of sports, but attendance when it comes to live sporting events. And we're seeing it across the country at a variety of different examples. We talked about the first round playoff numbers for the FCS, and uh, they were unimpressive. The the highest attended game was 5,000 people, which is, you know, to put that in perspective for people that don't know numbers, your, your average high school football game probably has about 4,000 people at it. So these these schools that are Division One schools are drawing like Sentinel High School. So yeah. it's not, not great in terms of the gate. But then this last week, you had a record crowd in Missoula. Good thing. Record crowd in Bozeman. Good thing. But also disappointing attendance figures in the, some of the other spots that usually draw. James Madison only had about 11,000. That's a stadium on par with Montana's. North Coast State only had about 11,000 as well, and they usually pack the Fargo Dome. But that's all to say, though, this is not a phenomenon that's specifically regulated to uh, Division One AA slash FCS football. We're seeing this across the board, but we're also seeing it particularly in the NBA. And I find this very fascinating because the NBA, on one hand, does such a better job of marketing its superstars and building characters and building the narrative within a season and within guys' careers than any other professional sports league in the world, I think. You know, there's always the premise of, you know, is some of that staged? Is some of that part of the commissioner's office? But even if it is, I don't care. Like, if you're making some guys into heroes and some not, building the storylines, it's great. And that's why the NBA playoffs are great. But it's not been this fever pitch of, of continued build domestically. Maybe internationally it has been, but around America, people are watching the NBA a little bit less. And I think so much of it comes into then murky waters when we talk about the way that these guys are represented as brands, but how that sort of takes away sometimes who they are as people or you know their civic duty and using their platform. There's a lot that goes into it, but yeah. what do you think of just this overall phenomenon of, of the NBA losing um, customers, particularly when it comes to in-game at the arena? Well, the in-game attendance, I think, attendance to the live event extends beyond the NBA. I mean, you yeah. cite those mixed numbers. Um, we've seen soft ratings in other live sports, MLB, college football, other sports. And and, and I think it's a little too early to tell. Sure. It's like all the hot takes you see about the great resignation. You ask an economist and they'll tell you, we really don't know yet. We got to kind of sort through the data and see how things land because there's a lot of different things happening. So with live sports, I, I, you know, if I had to break it down right now, based on what we know, we'd say, well, COVID's still probably a concern for some folks, um, although that's mixed. And with the weather changing, that's changing as well. I, I'd say too, like, a lot of people invested in their home 
viewing situation, right? Um, they got a better TV. They realize that, you know, they can integrate other apps. And we'll talk more about the tech piece shortly, I think. But yeah, the, the investing in that home experience, you're like, wow, this is actually, this kind of beats freezing my butt off at the game. And, totally. You know, paying nine bucks for a beer. And then you think about the, the live experience. Um, has it really changed that much over the last 20, 30 years? Like how you watch a game? Right. Um, yeah, maybe the scoreboards are bigger. Uh, maybe they have fireworks, but the tickets are more expensive. It's harder to park. The beers are more expensive. Like everything about it has gotten more expensive, but there hasn't been much innovation in terms of the customer experience. Electronic tickets ain't that big a deal as far as <laughs> right. innovation goes. Right. So like, what? how could these different experiences innovate? Because there's been innovation in, in so many other areas, right? <coughs> So there, there's that with the live piece. Yep. With the NBA in particular, I mean, they've seen not only massive declines in live attendance, but also declines in their in their TV ratings. And I was looking at some polling data, and you know, historically, the NBA has sort of skewed a little bit more Democratic than Republican in their viewership. Sure. Um, however, in how much of that? What, what are the factors in that? Uh, partially, partially, there's probably a lot of race factor that goes into that, right? I, I think so. It's hard. We don't have data to, to make yeah. that attribution, but I, I think in in recent years and since George Floyd, like there's been a lot of emphasis among NBA players and NBA franchises, and the NBA is uh, um, in general on social justice. You yeah. know, they had you know, special uniforms and special campaigns. And and these players, you know, like it or not, they're speaking out on this. They care about it. Right. It's important. It's important to, and hey, let's be honest, most of the players in the NBA are black, right? Yes, they're that's they're right. standing up for issues that they are passionate about and using their platforms. And it wasn't too long ago that like, Michael Jordan said Republicans buy. That's right. I was, that's two. exactly where I was going. But then there's Laura Ingram who says, you know, shut up and dribble. Right. So there's these kind of cultural threads here. And I think this we've seen a decline in viewership and consumption of the NBA platform among Republicans. And that's yep. a problem for the NBA because the NBA, well, the NBA needs people of all colors and stripes and whatever to, to be watching, right, in order to grow the way they need to grow. Totally. But another piece of it is that the NBA has been more aggressive than other leagues in expanding into more rural cities. Right. Like they're in Oklahoma City. They're in Sacramento. They're in Memphis. They're in Charlotte. Like, they, I mean, Portland. I know that in our little Northwest world, Portland seems like a giant city, but Portland is actually, I believe, the second smallest market in the United States that has a professional sports team. Yeah, and, and so Portland's a bit of an outlier because it's smaller, but it's a, a very kind of, I don't even know if liberals are the right thing to call Portland anymore. Who knows what it is now? Politics are, are pretty far out there. But NBA has exposure in these markets that other other places don't, and that exposure tends to be more red than other leagues. So you have declining viewership among rightward-leaning viewers, and then disproportionate exposure in those media markets that sets you up for real softness in your ability to grow and it's a hard thing to talk about right because adam yeah. silver comes out and says hey you know we need to appeal to more conservative viewers like that's a hard kind of premise for him to bring to his 
the players that, that make up the league. Now, it's hard to know what the politics of the players are. They're kind of all over the place and probably more surprising than we'd assume them to be. But, um, yeah, it's this interesting dynamic, and I'm not sure how you kind of manage your way out of it. The business angle, Justin Angle in studio here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. And there's a lot there. <laughs> because on, on one hand, I think that any sort of infiltration into politics, any sort of infiltration of politics into sport is what the vast majority of people that are consuming sport want to get away from. Yeah, yeah. So regardless of if it's right or left, red or blue, Republican or Democrat, I do think that the NBA has turned off a lot of viewers because of the politicization of its stars. Not its brand, but its stars. Mm -hmm. But I also think that some of the, the men in the NBA, a lot of the men in the NBA, have they come from communities in which they have a much... Uh, much larger platform to make a difference than almost anybody they've ever known. Yeah. They feel the cultural pressure to do so. Mm -hmm. I would never slight a man for standing up for what he believes in. But I also think that the fact is that the omnipresent nature of how we can all be viewed at all times is also so difficult. It's honestly like a miracle that LeBron James has lived a life in the spotlight with hardly any controversy. Yeah. He's been controversial in like his decision to sign a free agent contract in Miami or whatever. He got into a tiff the other day. I actually think that it was LeBron finally boiling over saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not Mr. Perfect. I do have a temper. You know, I might get in a fight in a game one time in my 10,000 games that I play in the NBA." But here nor there. Michael Jack Michael Jordan's a perfect example. Michael Jordan was Mr. Madison Avenue. He had the million dollar smile. He was the ultimate endorsement machine he created i mean oj simpson kind of created this but michael J jordan took this to the full stratosphere and michael jordan the world he made the book by david halberstam have you yeah. read this book yes i mean it's wonderful and it's so interesting because it's not just about jordan and the bulls and the championships it's about the impact michael jordan had on the global economy and the way that we advertise and market via endorsement and um michael jordan though while being in an unbelievably bright spotlight, there was a moment in time when Michael Jordan was the single most famous person on the planet. That's that's crazy for a guy that just plays basketball and sells shoes. That's yeah. crazy. But he created it, and he made it even seem normal because he was so charismatic and so steady. He also wasn't on Twitter. He also didn't have his life being Snapchatted. And, and not everybody had a camera in their pocket. Michael Jordan sitting at the casino at 3 a.m. in Atlantic City in 1993... Eh, it's an urban legend. In 2021, it's a Snapchat phenomenon. Right. It's an Instagram story that goes viral on Barstool. Like, so I, I do think that there's also a, some some here and there as well. I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think that the the pressure for these guys to maintain their own brands is far too high because the exposure is so great as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've cultivated a platform and they have the ability to connect directly with fans. And, and in many ways, like that's that's a great thing. I mean, we, we get access, we get sort of an inside look, and, and also these athletes are able to, for better or for worse, like use that platform however they want. It's democratizing in a way. However, it creates more risk in the system for the companies at play yep. and it creates more risk for the athletes Yep, and it just, um, 
you know, it, it's tough. Like, you know, you, you want people, whatever your political persuasion, like we, I think we want people who have a, earned a platform or have somehow stumbled upon a platform to use that platform to, yep. to improve the world in some way, whatever 100%. you think that the path toward that is like, that's a nice thing that folks should aspire to. But at the same time, like when you stand for something, it alienates people. That's we true. We talk about this in branding class all the time. Like if you position your brand, the more the more specifically you position it, the more specifically you, you articulate your appeal to customers. Yeah, customers are going to like that a certain amount of a certain number of customers, but it's also going to turn others off. And those are trade offs you have to make. And when your global brands that rely on growth, um, that go beyond uh, political persuasion. That's a careful, uh, that's a careful road to tread. And also, if there's a disconnect between the belief system of your workers and the belief system of your viewers, that's that's hard to uh, thread as well. We got free sandwiches for you. Speaking of branding, these guys are as good as branding as you possibly get because they name their sandwiches after all-time great rock bands. So then you can know exactly what you like. I like the Doobie Brother down at Tagliari Deli. You want some free tag? We got you. It's Tag Larry Tuesday. We usually do it in the first hour. We had sort of a haphazard first hour, so we're doing it right now. 406-888-1029-888-1029. Caller number two. We got free Tag Larry Deli for you, 25 bucks. Go check out the best sandwich shop in the city of Missoula. Name the best deli and the best sandwiches in Montana by both the Food Network and People Magazine. Last thought for you, because I know you got to go. You got to daughter, you got to pick up from basketball practice. I do think the most undertold part of this phenomenon is not only in the NBA and also in the in Major League Baseball as well, is that the way that the structures of drafting and building teams has changed, it used to be very regionalized. Therefore, then, so often organizations would go after players that fit their brand. That's how we had the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics were at the exact same time the most integrated team with the most prominent black players as well as then the team that had a whole bunch of guys that people in Boston fell in love with. I mean, you couldn't have more quintessential uh, symbiosis of player and brand than John Havlicek and the Celtics, Larry Bird and the Celtics. This is perfect Mm -hmm. for the people of Boston, but it was very similar in hockey as well. You'd have guys like, I mean, you're from the Northeast. You know, I mean, some of the guys that play for the Boston Brewers, I mean, these guys are gods because... they, They were quintessential Boston mm-hmm. Bruins. They articulate the values of the city, right? Carl Yastrzemski and the Red Sox. I mean, that's how these guys become so heroic. And now it's not like that. You, everybody gets drafted from everywhere and everybody changes teams all the time. So I also think that's a huge part of it. It, it, it just on the decline of live sporting attendance because you used to know that you were going to go see a guy that's going to play like a Steelers guy. You're going to go see a guy that's going to play like a Chicago Bull. And now... It's so in flux that all these guys play all over the place all the time. And so you never know what you're going to get, but it doesn't necessarily maybe fit the identity. That's why college football and college sports, I think, is so much more steady. Because you can have a coach like Nick Saban who can be in place at Alabama for 20 years, and he's recruiting Alabama guys. And it seems so much more streamlined for the fans to sort of absorb. Yeah, I don't know if you could attribute it to necessarily the draft, the structure of the draft. But I do think like that the turnover amongst coaches... And the fact that not only is there shorter tenures, but it's also like the a smaller number of coaches moving amongst these teams. So like a coach's style will travel, you know, with him to other markets. 
And players moving around too, as you mentioned. You know, like it's weird seeing Tom Brady in a in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform for sure. But at the same time, like he's been, and I think you layer social media on top of that too, because these players have their own platforms and their own connection to fans that they've cultivated. They're kind of more mobile because their brand stands a little bit independent or adjacent to the team. Right. And they have a brand identity that's distinct of the team. Yep. So yeah, there's a, there's a few different um, factors happening here, but the, you, you do look at like the Steelers have had Mike Tomlin coaching for a long time or the Patriots with Bill Belichick or any of these other kind of, um, you know, the Titans, what was it? Jeff Fisher coached yep. there forever and forever. ever. And those teams did have some identity. For sure. But I, th- I think you're right. Like that's breaking down with more sort of transience among the players, the coaches, and also there's probably a bit of a more mobile society and we can watch more teams too. So we, we kind of have, these brands have definitely been diluted to a large extent. The Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor, joins me every other week, but we had to stack it up because uh, getting down towards the end of the year, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get another one of these in before the end of the year, but we also want to continue that conversation both about the Olympics as well as live attendance at some of these professional sporting events. Very interesting, man. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Take you home here on your Tuesday, get you all set up for the rest of the week, including our travel plans as we go all the way across the country. ESPN Radio. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio. What up, Montana? Welcome back. A little Bob Seger for you here to take you home on a Tuesday. Hope you're having an outstanding day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Fun show today. Miss anything in it? can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Heard from Ty Gregorak, longtime assistant coach for both Montana and Montana State, talking all things FCS football playoffs. Also give you at least a brief little breakdown of what to watch from James Madison and Sam Houston. That will continue throughout the week. We also... Had a long talk about the Olympics as well as live attendance of professional sporting events with our good friend Justin Angle as part of the business angle. All that on the Nuanas Now podcast. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, and Sports Bet Montana. Tomorrow, we'll hear from our good friend Sean Rainey. We're also efforting a couple former players 
who, because the Grizz have been to, to James Madison before. It's been about 14 years, but they've been there before. Back in 2008, posted a huge victory, one of the biggest victories in Montana football history, honestly. Only two FCS playoff wins away from Washington Grizzly Stadium for Montana, and that one against James Madison, the number one ranked team in the country back in 2008, certainly one of the biggest ones, so we'll... Hopefully have a person that participated in that join us. Well, for sure we will have one. Chan Schillinger, safeties coach, secondary coach, and uh, assistant special teams coach for the Grizz will join us as our ESPN roundtable. We're trying to round up probably one other subject for that as well. We're also going to hear from Tucker Sargent. Grizz hockey team scored 36, that's right, 36 goals last weekend. So they're rolling right along. So Tucker will swing by, give us an update on all that. And uh, also efforting... Somebody from Montana State's 2011 team because the Bobcats 10 years ago played in Huntsville against Sam Houston. Sam Houston was sort of an obstacle. That was like the last speed bump for the last great groups of Bobcat players, Denarius McGee, Cody Kirk, Tanner Bleskin, Elvis Akpla, that whole group of guys in the early 2010s. Those guys won three straight Big Sky championships, but they uh, they ran into a buzzsaw two years in a row in 2011-2012. In I guess the Sam Houston State team, that was one of the better FCS teams I've covered, but they just happened to run into a buzzsaw two years in a row in the national championship games against North Dakota State when North Dakota State was first uh, building their dynasty. Uh, another interesting fold, Brett Vegan was the offensive coordinator at North Dakota State back during those times. So he played against Sam. He coached against Sam Houston State in consecutive national championship games when he was on that staff at NDSU. So that's a another interesting fold here as well. So of course, ton of upcoming playoff coverage. We're going to dive into prep and high school winter sports next week. Probably going to be pretty heavy on the college stuff this week. Prep winter sports just getting going right now. So we want to really take some time to make a full, good, thorough effort at it. But right now, we got a lot of stuff to take care of because we're catching a bird across the country to Washington, D.C. Myself, Andrew Houghton, Blake Hempstead are team here at ESPN Missoula as well as Skyline Sports. We'll be flying to D.C. on Thursday and then driving to Harrisonburg on Friday. Catch the Grizz game Friday night. Then we'll drive up to Baltimore, catch an early bird from Baltimore to Houston. Then we'll land in Houston uh, on Saturday morning, drive up to Huntsville, catch the Bobcat game there against Sam Houston, and then uh, drive back down to Houston. Catch one bird to Vegas, another plane to Missoula, and we'll be back home. So it's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be a grind, but I can't wait. I'm here for the experience. I don't need any luxury in my life. As long as i got two pairs of clean underwear and a couple buddies to talk to, I can do anything, and that's uh, what we're looking forward to most. So it should be a fun experience and uh, one, certainly, that we will remember. So it should be a good one. But uh, busy week around here, so that's all I'll say. We'll be diving in hard. High school sports next week, but this can be pretty much all FCS playoffs and all um, – Big Sky Conference stuff. As we head toward the end of 2021, pretty crazy. Been a wild year, but a fun year, and we appreciate all of you for spending time with us today, this week, and throughout the year because we couldn't have done it without you, and we made great strides around here, and it's been uh, awesome doing it, and I love all the feedback from you. We'll be back at it 4 p.m. tomorrow, leading things off with Sean Rainey. Have a great evening. Nuanas now. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. 
Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 